Well, good morning, family. How's everybody doing this morning? It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, I'm Pastor Matt. I am one of the pastors here on staff at BT, and uh, my primary oversight is our Alice campus. Uh, and so I'm all the way in from Alice, Texas today. Uh, really excited to be here to share the word um, with you. You know, here at BT, we have a culture of celebration. So I want to celebrate some things this morning. Um, year to date, and this is a really exciting number, we have seen 373 people give their lives to Christ through the ministry of BT. That is amazing. And so, man, that is awesome. And not only that, we have seen 200 people go public with their faith through believers' baptism. That is awesome, too. Let's give it up for that. And we have more signed up during this service and the next service across all of our campuses. Uh, and so that is an exciting time to be a part of the church. And I do want to make note, sometimes I'm, I'm a numbers type guy, but when you see 373 people being saved and 200 people being baptized, that is a great ratio. Uh, by the way, I hope you know that. That means people are not only being saved, but they're taking their next step of faith through believers' baptism. And that's a big deal. And so I want to encourage you um, with that. And maybe today is your day uh, that you want to be baptized. Maybe you're like, man, I knew it was a baptism party, but I haven't signed up yet. It's okay. You can still do that. And I'll give you an opportunity to step up here at the end of service. But I want to welcome our online family. Thank you guys for joining us online. We're excited um, that you joined us today here at BT. If it is your first time, if you can do us a favor uh, and text BTVIP to 97000, it'll give us an opportunity to follow up with you uh, and to see how we can partner with you on your journey of faith. But we're going to continue in our Thrill of Hope series this morning. And if you've been with us since week one, uh, you will know and notice that we've covered different types of hope uh, and why we can have these different types of hope through this season of expectation. Last week, we talked about prophetic hope, right? Pastor Chris brought a powerful message on how our prophetic hope or our hope is anchored in the past, it's confident in the present, and it's certain about Jesus. And so I want to encourage you that if you missed any week of A Thrill of Hope, that you would go online, check us out on YouTube, download the BT app, and catch up on those sermons. But today, we're going to be talking about the person of hope. We're going to be talking about the person of hope, and, and I want you to understand that God, he has created laws, right, such as the law of gravity that govern the universe. But when he intervenes in the regular course of events, he interrupts those laws and demonstrates his power over creation, and that's when a miracle takes place. And that's what happened with our person of hope. This would be the most unique birth in history because Mary had never been touched by a man. A virgin would give birth because of the activity of the Holy Spirit. And even so, this miracle involved more for her because it just wasn't any baby. This miracle literally changed the course of human history when God became man. When the eternal Son of God took on human flesh and combined his full deity and his full humanity in one person. And that's when we got Jesus, the God-man. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And so Jesus, family, if you don't know, spoiler alert, Jesus is our person of hope. 
And so I want to give you some characteristics this morning and also answer this question, why is Jesus the person of hope and why can I trust in him? You're like, man, Pastor Matt, you sound like a three-year-old asking why all the time. Well, yeah, but let's be honest, a lot of us ask why all the time too. It's not just our choice. So I want to answer these two questions this morning. And we're going to start off in the Old Testament and then move forward in in the New Testament. But if you have your Bible, join me in Isaiah chapter 7. And we're going to be in verse 14 this morning. And when you get there, the, the word of the Lord, it says this. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. And you're like, man, that's really short, just one verse for our text here at BT. No, we got more, don't worry. But let's pray and then we're going to dig right in this morning. Father God, we just thank you for you. Lord, we thank you for your son Jesus. God, I pray right now during our time together, God, that you would be glorified. Lord, that you would speak to us exactly where we're at. Lord, that you would allow us to remove the distractions. You would allow us to remove the things that are hindering us from hearing from you. God, I pray today that we would be not only encouraged, but convicted in remembering that Jesus is our person of hope. God, I pray today that we would realize just who Jesus is in this season. And so, Lord, we thank you for you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So let me give you some context just around this one verse. And like I said, then we're going to jump to Matthew um, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. So you can prep that if you want. But here's some context for what's happening when, when the, the prophet Isaiah spoke this scripture, right, or spoke, spoke this prophecy. The king of Judah during this time was Azah. And this is what we call the Emmanuel prophecy here. Azah was a wicked king of Judah who worshipped other gods and who even sacrificed his son in the fire because of his pagan beliefs. Azah was essentially the first bad king of Judah in about 100 years. And so at this point in scripture where we're looking at this, this scripture today, it is in complete chaos. There's a challenge to Azah that God has made a promise and now the king of Judah must believe. But if he chooses to believe this promise, or if he chooses not to believe this promise, it will not affect the outcome of the attack against Jerusalem, because God had already decreed that their attack would not succeed. But it would affect the course of Azah's life and reign as king. So through the prophet Isaiah, God gives Azah to ask for a sign. And God has challenged Azah to believe and to be blessed, and now God offers to give Azah a basis for belief, right, a sign for himself. But King Azah says this in, in this moment. He says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And you're probably sitting here like, man, that's a good king. Because if we look in the New Testament, it says that we should not tempt the Lord your God. And you're like, man, pastor, that, those two phrases sound the same. Yes, they sound the same, but the hearts are what di- what's different. And so King Azah, the reason why he's not willing to ask God for a sign is because if God was to fulfill the sign, then he would be obligated to believe. And Azah knew better. He's like, if if he fulfills the sign, then basically I'm going to be obligated to believe. And so he knew what he was doing. And he said, well, if I don't ask for a sign, then God won't be able to fulfill it. Thus, I wouldn't have to believe in God. (laughs) Makes sense. And see, a lot of us, we try to manipulate situations this way. 
well, I won't pray for that because if God comes through, then basically I'm going to have to believe that he is who he says he is. And so how many of us dabble with this whole Jesus thing or how many of us know people who dabble with this whole Jesus thing? How many of our friends and, and, and family members have one foot in and, and one foot out? How many of us in this room feel a sense of obligation to believe? Well, pastor, my mom believed, my dad believed, my grandpa believed, my, my grandma believed, and so I have to believe. I have to come to church on Sundays because you and I, in, in some degree, have the same mindset of us up. You and I have literally rejected the gracious, free gifts of God for strange reasons because it's almost as if we're afraid to trust God and his plans for our lives because we'd much rather trust our own plan because losing the sense of control in our lives does not sound reasonable. So how can someone other than ourselves help us, or how could we trust somebody other than ourselves, when our life seems to be in complete chaos? Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're sitting here today, and your life is in complete chaos. And I have some good news for you this morning, is that God offers us hope in the midst of chaos. Because even in the middle of the reign of Azar, even in the middle of complete chaos, God chose to communicate a promise when he had every right to drop Azar and move on. And so what we can see from this text, that Isaiah 7, it teaches us that God faithfully, in the light of people's lack of faith, he still persistently pursues his And so that leads me to the first point this morning is that why? Why can we trust Jesus? What's the first reason that we can trust God? And it's this. It's because he is a person of promise. He is a person of promise. That's good news for you and me. God pursued humanity despite the lack of our faith. God is persistent. You know, a few weeks ago, we looked at the genealogy of Jesus. We looked and saw just how sometimes through the line of Jesus, it was a mess. There were some people, there were some jacked up people, right? Did that get anybody, give anybody else faith? That gave me some faith. Because if the Lord can use them, then he can use you and me. And so we can look at the genealogy of Jesus and we can see his goodness and we can see God's mercy. We can look at the genealogy of Jesus and we can see that he is a person of promise. But we can also look at the genealogy of Jesus and we can see that Jesus' genealogy is filled with imperfect people. And all of this, family, points to God's sovereign grace. This tells us that he accomplishes his glorious purposes in spite of difficult circumstances and the character of the people involved. He is a person of promise. If he can use the people listed in Jesus' genealogy to bring Christ into the world, then he can use you and me. Why? Because that's just who he is. 
He is a good God who is faithful. He is a person of promise, and what he has promised will come to pass despite what you do or what you don't do because that's just who he is. And so we can be encouraged in knowing that Jesus is a person of promise because it's in the character of his father. And so we know that he is good and that he is faithful. And we know that he is a promise-keeping God. And that's good for, for you and me. We, we can get excited about that. So join me in, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 this morning. Because I want to look at a few more characteristics of our person of hope. And we're going to spend the rest of our time here in these verses. And it says this. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph began, or being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after... He considered these things. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was already spoken by the Lord through a prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. Now you see why we connected that verse, which translates to God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded. He married her but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus and so I want to break down just, just a few things here in this text. But first, I want to kind of stop and give you just, just some, some, break down some of the terms that are in right? We see it says the birth of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to understand the different names that we see here in this scripture. And so the first name we see is we see Jesus Christ, right? And so we know they said the name of Jesus, but, but what does the Christ mean after Jesus, right? It's not his last name, but the word Christ means anointed, Right, It's the Greek equivalent of Messiah. He is Jesus the Messiah. And so then we continue on and we see that Jesus is his human name because that's what they told him to name him. So Christ is his official title, and Emmanuel describes who he is, which is God who is with us. God who is with us. And so this leads us to our second point this morning, which is this, is that Jesus is a person of proximity. Jesus is a person of proximity. Well, how do you know that? Because it's in his name. The scripture literally says, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which translate God is with us. You see, again, this is some great news for you and me. We see this Isaiah scripture quoted again in the book of, of Matthew. And so the name of Jesus is important. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is not Emmanuel, God far from us. This is good news for you and me. He is God with us. He's the God that will be there with you. 
This is the only story of faith where God really did come near. Jesus is what we call the incarnation of God. God literally put on flesh and bones and came to earth to be with you and me. He came to earth to be with you and me. And so what does this tell us? That he is a personal God. That he is a personal God, that he is a close God, that he is a person of proximity. He is a God who is close when we celebrate. He is a God who is close when we are frustrated. He is a God who is close when we mourn. He is a God who is close when we are hurting. He is a God who is close in the good times. He is a God who is close in the bad times. He is a God who is close when we doubt. He is a God who is close when we are confident. Why? Because that's just who he is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so he is a person of proximity. He is close. He is there, family, when you lose a loved one. He is there in in the midst when you don't know where to turn and you're like, what do I do from this point? That's Emmanuel, God with us. He is right next to you. When you are celebrating that job promotion and you are so excited for how he's been moving in your life, he's Emmanuel, God with you. In the moments when you're doubting him, guess what? He is still Emmanuel, God with us. Because that's just who he is. Well, well, how do you know this? I know this personally. I lost my father in October of, of 2020 due to COVID. And I remember the day I was literally at church that Sunday when he went to pass to be with the Lord. I don't remember much after that. They say a lot of the next couple of days was a blur. But what I do remember is I remember his celebration of life. I remember all the pastors from BT coming down and helping with the ceremony because I knew I wasn't strong enough to do it on my own. One of my greatest fears in life was losing my mother or my father. And it came to pass. And in that moment, I didn't know how I was going to react. I remember telling my wife at the funeral, look, I don't even want to go up and see the casket and see my dad because I don't know what's going to happen. And she said, oh, okay. But here's what I can tell you. In the moment where I was at my lowest, in the moment when honestly I felt my life was falling apart because my dad was my hero. I loved my dad. He was, we maybe didn't have the greatest relationship growing up. I'm not saying who was stubborn, but one of us was stubborn, right? <laughs> maybe both of us were stubborn. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Like father, like son, amen? And so when you have two stubborn people, you know, there's constantly some, some head button. But that was, that was my hero. And the worst thing in life had happened. I, I lost my dad. And so not knowing in the moment, it it was weird. I don't even know how to explain this. But again, in Scripture, it talks about having a peace that surpasses all understanding. Let me tell you, in that moment, Emmanuel, God with us, was real. Because he was there with me from the time my dad passed away to the time we had a celebration in life. And even until today. Every moment, every step of the way, he was there. He was God with me. In my mourning, he was there. 
and watching my mom hurt, he was there. And me watching my brothers and sisters mourn, he was there. With my siblings looking at me because, of course, I'm a pastor, so I should know all the answers. But again, I'm still human, and so I still mourn. He was there. Jesus is a person of proximity. And then let me tell you this morning, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter the feelings that you're feeling. Guess what? God is still there. And he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. Look, I understand this season can bring up feelings. This season can bring up hurt from the people we have lost. I know. I'm walking through it. But I also know that hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And I can hold on to Jesus. So let me tell you this morning, if you need some encouragement... If you're in the moment and you're hurting because you've lost a family member in these past years, let me give you some encouragement. Hold on to Jesus. He is not a far away God. No, he is a close and a personal God who will meet you exactly where you're at. But you know what the great thing is? Is he loves you enough not to leave you there. And so in the midst of your hurting, you seek Jesus. In the midst of the unknown, you seek Jesus. Why? Because he is a person of proximity. This is why Jesus is our person of hope, because he is close, and he has been through what we've been through, and he has felt what we felt. We see this told to us in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. It says, therefore... He had to be like his brothers in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For since he himself was tested and has suffered, he is able to help those who are tested. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is a person of proximity. And so understand this morning that he knows what you are going through. He knows where you're at. He knows the feelings that you're feeling because he is not a far off God. No, he is a person of proximity and he understands you exactly. Even when people around you don't understand what you're going through, Jesus does. Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. That's the beauty. That's the essence of of Christmas, family. That the baby in the major was God himself in the person of his son. He was a deity in a diaper. Heaven was literally coming down to earth and eternity was invading time. He is a person of proximity. And the last thing we see from the text in point three, like, man, this is the shortest sermon I've ever heard at BT. It's okay, I still got some more. But before we go to point three, I know there are a few people um, who, who, who have chosen to be baptized today during this service. And so I want to encourage you right now, if you can stand up uh, and make your way this way with Pastor Chris, he's going to take you to the back to take that next step. And let's give it up for these people. I think we have about 10 who are being baptized. Keep clapping until they get out of the room. This is an exciting day. These people understand that Jesus is a person of proximity. Let's give it up for them. Yes. 
Come on, BT, I don't think you're loud enough for them. There we go. We're excited. And if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I missed my, my moment, don't worry. No, you didn't. You're going to have a chance. So we see, yes, praise God. That's exciting. You can get excited for that. You keep, we'll clap the rest of the service. No, I'm just kidding. So what we've seen so far about this person of Jesus, right, our person of hope, is we've seen that he is a person of promise. The second thing we saw is that he is a person of proximity. See, and both of these things are important to us, but we see another name and we see another characteristic in this scripture, and it's that Jesus is our person of hope because he is a person of power. He is a person of power. It says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Only somebody with power can save somebody from sins, amen? And so Jesus is this person of power. The name Jesus is a Greek name, and it corresponds to a Hebrew name, Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And so we know now, right, you and I, or maybe you don't, maybe, you're saying, maybe this is news to you, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to save people from their sins. He is a person of what? Of power. And I don't want you to think this power is one of like somebody who comes in with the title of, oh, I've got the title of this, and so you need to do exactly what I say. No. He doesn't come in with this strong, authoritative power to basically kind of make you do things. No, Jesus comes with a servant power. Jesus, he is a person of power, and you and I have access to that power when we confess him as Lord and Savior. Yes, he's Emmanuel, God with us, but he's also Jesus who came to save people from their sins. And so our hope is secured in Jesus. Just like when we talked about last week that we can be certain about Jesus, we can be connected to Jesus and be connected to his power. And when we are connected, we can experience his power. And so, yes, it's great to hear all these amazing characteristics about God, to know that he is a person of promise, to know that he is a person of proximity, to know that he is a person of power. But if we never connect to the power We'll never experience the power. We'll never experience the full power of Jesus. You see, there are a lot of people who sit in churches singing about the power of God, but never experience the power of God. There are people who sit in our church and in churches all around South Texas who will sing praises, who will sing about the names of Jesus. But they never experienced the power of those names, and that's a problem. And so, yes, we can study his character. We can study that he is a person of promise. We can know that he is Emmanuel, God with us. We can know that he is Jesus and that he has power. But family, we got to be willing to connect to the power because if you're not connected to the person of hope, then your hope is not secure. Your hope is weaker than tissue paper in water. Because our person of hope, this Jesus, provides you and I security. A security that is greater than what our parents can provide us. 
a security that is greater than what our grandparents can provide us because it is an eternal security. Jesus has the power to help you and I go from death to life. And so he is a person of power and all the problems in this world can be drawn back to the problem of sin. And here's some good news for us this morning. The Son of God came to save you from your sins because you couldn't save yourself. Jesus, the one who has power, came to save you and me. He came to pay the price for our sins. Why? Because we couldn't do it. Our mom and dad can't do it. Our grandparents can't do it. I'm sorry, your grandma's faith cannot save you. Only Jesus can save you. Only your own faith can save you. Because why? He is a person of power. Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you. Jesus Christ is the only one who entered the world to identify our sins, to forgive us of our sins, and to give us victory over our sins, and to give us an eternal life home free from sin. It's this Jesus Jesus, the person of promise. Jesus, the person of proximity. Jesus, the person of power. This, this is what the truth of Christmas is all about. And if we miss this, then we miss the whole thing. It's that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to earth for you and me. Jesus was fully man and he was fully God. And he came because God loved you and I so much, family. And so this Jesus changes everything. Jesus is our person of hope. And you and I must stay connected to him. Just like we charge our phones every single day. Some of you two to three times a day. You got to stay connected to Jesus. How would your life be if you only charged your phone once a week? Your phone would be dead the other six and a half days. So why do we allow our soul not to be recharged daily? Why do we allow our soul not to be connected and recharged by the person of Jesus? We have to stay connected. We have to stay plugged in. Let me give you some next steps this morning. This is really early. I thought I was going to be a lot longer than this. We still got response time. We're good. Let me give you some next steps this morning. Because without connection, you can't walk in the promise, the proximity, or power. God in your back pocket is not the same as having him close to your heart, family. Don't use God like a credit card. Make sure you connect to him daily. So how do we make sure we connect to God? Let me give you three things. These are my favorite three things. The first thing is this, is we have to be in God's word. 
We have to be in God's word. We have to be reading our Bible. That's how we connect to the power of God. That's how we learn about the God of, of promise, right? It is by opening this thing. And so we have to read our Bible. We have to get into God's word. The second thing is this. You need to be around God's people. You need to be around God's people. You need to be in a community group, simply put. You need to be staying connected to like-minded believers who will hold you accountable, who will walk with you through certain situations. You know, we walked through a situation with my dad when my dad passed away. But let me tell you this. There was not a need that did not go unmet. Why? Because we were connected to God's people. God's people took care of us. God's people walked with us. God's people helped encourage us. And just recently, we went through a situation with my mom. And there were some scans done, but praise God, she's okay. She'll be here the next service. But let me tell you something. There is something about being connected to God's people that when you go through situations, you don't go through them alone. There are people who will come around you who are praying for you, who are walking through life with you, who do a little thing by bringing you a meal because you're so consumed with everything going on. That's the power of being connected to God's people. And so get into a community group, right? Join us on, on Wednesday nights for, for men's and BT men and, and BT women's. Get your students in, involved in students. Get your kids involved in BT Blast. There is a power that comes from being connected to the local church. That is one of the ways that we connect to Jesus is by connecting to each other. So we have God's word. We have God's people. And the last thing is this, is you have to be in God's house. We have to be in God's house. Attend church regularly. This is how we stay connected. This is how, again, we learn about the promises of God. This is how we learn about the character of God. Is because we're sitting under biblical teaching. And so the three ways you stay connected to God is you stay connected through his people, you stay connected to his word, and you stay connected to his house. Here's what I want to challenge you to do next year. Take attendance of your church attendance. You'd be amazed that we aren't in, in church as much as we think we are. And so you have to be connected to God's house. Because God is close, family, we can connect. Because he is a, a person of promise, we can trust him. And because he has power, we can surrender. We can surrender to Jesus. And so let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you know that he is a person of promise? Do you know that he is Emmanuel, God with us? Do you know that he has the power to help you go from death to life? I'm going to invite the altar ministers to come forward, and I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to accept the power that only comes from truly being connected to Jesus. Again, family, your grandmother's faith cannot save you. 
Your grandpa's faith cannot save you. If you cannot remember a time when you confessed with your mouth, like the Bible says, and you believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you need to check to see if you're saved. You need to check to see if you truly have a relationship with Jesus. Well, I grew up in church. That's one thing to grow up in church. It's, one thing, it's another thing to know Jesus. And so with your head bowed and eyes closed right now, here in this moment, right now is the perfect time for you to experience the power of God, the transforming power of God. Again, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. A few verses later, it's my favorite, it says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. Doesn't matter what side of the street you grew up on. It doesn't matter what you've done. As long as you believe and you confess that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. Because he's Emmanuel God with us. He's Jesus who came to save us from our sins. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity right now. And here at BT, we do it in the form of a prayer. But please know there's no power in the prayer. The power is in the position of your heart and the confession of your mouth. And so you can repeat after me and you can say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me and my sins. And so right now, here in this moment, I want to ask you to come into my heart and to change me from within and to save me. And I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I give you my whole life. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Nobody's looking around except the altar ministers. If you will do me a favor and just slip your hand up in the air and say, today, I've given my life to Jesus. Today, I surrender my life to the person of proximity. I surrender my life to the person of promise. I surrender my life to the person of power. And if your hand is raised, if you will do us a favor and just begin to make your way down that aisle and come speak to one of our altar ministers. You've just started one of the greatest journeys and we want to make sure that you don't do this alone. And so if that's you, you can make your way down. Now for the rest of us, and again, you can still move as, as we're going into response time. For the rest of us, maybe you're sitting here today and you've known Jesus for a while but there are certain areas in your life that you've refused to surrender to him. Because maybe you always had the question, why? 
So I want to encourage you this morning to don't ask why, to just be obedient. You can trust him because of who he is. You can know that, that he is good and that he is faithful. And you can surrender that one thing that you've been holding on to. Or maybe you've known Jesus for a while. And the one thing you haven't done is you haven't gone public with your faith through believer's baptism. Well, pastor, that was early. You sent all the No, I sent those people earlier so that you can have opportunity right now. And so maybe you're sitting here today on the edge of your seat because you know you haven't surrendered in believer's baptism. And you're like, man, pastor, I missed the baptism party. No, you haven't. The party's still going on. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you that as we get ready to respond, as we get ready to sing another song, to make your way down the aisle and let one of these altar ministers know that, man, I don't know what's happening, but I know that I need to be baptized. I know that I need to go public with my faith. If that's you, make your way down now.